So, spoiler alert, this is a really, really simple message to understand. It is a lot less simple to act on it. So we, this is the message, we, everyone in the church and everyone in the wider church, we are one body under one head, which is Christ, united in love for each other, in his love. That's it. One body, one head under Christ, in love. So that's okay, isn't it? Well, there's so much to the working out of this, and I'm going to cover quite a few things. So it might be that there is one area that speaks to you personally, and that's maybe an area for you to act on. So throughout the talk, I will give little snippets of suggestions of things you might do if this is something that speaks to you. And if you've been to New Wine, God's probably been speaking to you pretty intensely over a week anyway. And he's probably already, you're like, no, please don't let him tell me anymore. Maybe there's just something that he's nudging you. That was the thing. Don't forget about that thing that you've planned to do and you're going to do it. But yeah, okay. So this is really challenging right from the get-go. So from verses 2, it says, Be completely humble, I'm in trouble already, and gentle. Be patient, I'm in real trouble. Bearing with one another in love. Putting up with each other in love. Uh-oh, this is already a struggle, isn't it? Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace because there is one body and one spirit. And let's face it, already I know I am doomed if I'm on my own. It's all going to be down to being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's anchor this in reality now. One body, united under Christ the head, united in love. And by the way, love is mentioned, I think, four times just in those 16 verses. So who makes up the body of Christ? Well, look around you. Quite a lot of spots and wrinkles, aren't there? I mean, obviously not me. Um, possibly not you, but let's face it, the rest of them, they're a pretty motley crew, aren't they? Um, that includes the really irritating person that annoys you every Sunday when you come. That includes the person that's been speaking really quite loudly about the way they want the church to go, and it's not the way you want to go at this moment. But guess what? Christ loves them the same I know. I don't know why, but he does. He loves us all the same. And he loves all of us. And he says, you are to be unified with them in love. Oh my, there's a challenge. And the reason is, and it comes right at the end of this passage, that we build ourselves up in love as a body as each part does its work. So we have a work. We are the body of Christ to do work for Christ. So welcome to the body of Christ. Let's have a little bit more of a look at the body of Christ. So the metaphor of the body is really helpful, isn't it? Because we're familiar at least with one body, our own. And there's all those bits that we like. There's quite a lot of bits we may not like so much. And then there are bits which perhaps don't work very well. Um, maybe bits that cause you pain intermittently. Maybe you're one of those people that has chronic pain. 
Maybe there's some people in the room that are a chronic pain for you. I don't know, but that's our body. If I had to say which part I really couldn't do without, obviously there are lots of bits you could come up with, but I think the one that has to top it all is the head. Because, to be honest, a headless body is not awfully useful, is it? So the head trumps them, and the head sort of runs and instructs the rest of us, doesn't it? My brain sends out commands to different bits of my body. It makes decisions. It seems somehow to hold the meanness of me. And when everything's working okay, the head needs to be in control. Now, so we sometimes think that some parts of the body are a lot more important than others. So you might think, there may be people in here who think you're a lot less important than some of the other people in here to the body of Christ. And to be honest, there are probably some of us who think we're a lot more important than some of the rest of you. And either way, that's absolutely a lie because we are all of the same importance. So what might we count as a less, lot less important? So mm, fingernail. So I remember when I was six years old, 60 years ago, um, I remember smashing this finger in a door. And I remember the pain it caused. It felt like my whole body. And I remember that it debilitated me. So when I went to school, before the nail came off, and especially after the nail came off, I couldn't write. So it debilitated my whole hand and my whole arm. I didn't really like using my right arm. So, okay, fingernail's quite important then. And actually, I think there are probably a lot of people, some people in here, who feel a little bit invisible. You know, there are the high-profile roles, and then there's the invisible roles. And they think they're not important. But I'll tell you what, I've had quite a lot of digestive problems recently. You can't see my digestive system. But you can see somebody's eyes, and you think, oh, the eyes are really important, because they do all the looking. Um, or my hair. So my hair is very visible. I want it to look nice. Lots of us really into how we look, particularly women, about our hair. We want that to be great, don't we? And that's on show. But actually, if my hair was rubbish, but my digestive system worked better, I would prefer that. And my digestive system is affecting my whole body. It does actually affect my whole body. Sometimes it's tiring to go up the stairs because my digestive system's not working very well. But nobody can see it, and if you could see it, it's not that nice to look at. But it's awfully useful. Um, so if that's you, what if that's you? I remember when John Mullaly had a bad shoulder, and he couldn't, I offered to pray for him, and he, he, he was like, don't touch me, don't touch me. He couldn't bear anyone to touch it. He protected it because it was vulnerable. Because if you touch that shoulder, it's going to be wounded, it's going to be really painful. And he was right. He needed to protect it. It was vulnerable. And I think to myself, do I do almost anything to try and protect and nurture the 
people who are vulnerable. In this building and other people that I know who are Christians. Do I? Do I? I don't think I do. I think I sometimes don't notice them. And then I, I have to show love, the love of Christ to all the Christians. So I'm, on a Sunday, I come in here and I can be so absorbed in my own goal, I even forget to, to, you know, I'll be passing people, forget to ask them, how are you? You know, it's, it's not rocket science to just touch them on the shoulder or smile. How was your week? And then, for me, the struggle to actually wait for the answer before I go on to do my goal, the I, me, my of this world, the entitlement that we all think we're due, that we've learnt from the culture, that is beginning to absorb the church so that even if we serve, it's on my terms. And we have to really watch this. I have to really watch this. Because there's not a me culture anywhere Anywhere, anywhere, you can keep looking for it. It's not in the Bible. And in fact, when they talk about saints, they talk about saints with an S on the end, not you, not you, Jan, not you. It's the saints. All the encouragement is for the saints, for everyone. We're plural. So we have to be inclusive and unified. And guess what? Ouch. Give up some of our independence. Share more, more of our time, more of our resources, more of our money. And I know certainly there was a lot about that at New Wine, about sharing resources and finances and practicing a deeper generosity. And um, I had a very serious talk with a couple of people um, at New Wine, and, and some of us were, were talking about going back and doing an inventory of what do we do with our money? Are we me, me, meing with our money. And then, you know, there's this little piece that we'll give to God. This God's money. And um, so if you were at New Wine, and if that was something for you, don't forget to go and make that infantry and actually follow through on it. Because in this church, we have people who are in financial need, and we shouldn't have. Why have we? Because we also, there are those of us who've got money. And without being, you know, your charity handout or something, there must be ways of making sure, as they did in the early church, that nobody had a need. I'm not doing that. And I'm not sure how I'm going to yet, but I definitely want to reflect on it. So, so much for the local body of believers, the local church. And if you're visiting, maybe you go to a local church. Um, We're not just talking about cosy old Christchurch, Turnham Green, St. Albans. It's Christians all over the world. So in Corinthians, Paul writes, there should be no division in the body, but its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. Now that's a fact, but we're often not aware of it. It's a cut to my heart. I mean, Christ's last prayers for us before he died were... I pray for those who believe in me through the message of the disciples that all of them may be one in the same way as you and I are one. I mean, I can't even imagine the closeness 
of Jesus with the Father. And we're supposed to be like that. And we're supposed to be like that, not just with each other, but with Christians maybe that we haven't even met. So at New Wine, I and, and lots of us went to a talk by an incredible lady. I can't remember. I think she was called Wei Hu. She was from North Korea. She'd been imprisoned in one of the worst prisons in the world for five years because they discovered she was a Christian. It's too long a story of her suffering for Christ to share here fully. But before she ever went to prison, in the famine of the 1990s, when people were going out and eating grass, and you couldn't even find any grass because they were so hungry that they would dig it up by the roots and eat the roots to kid themselves, their stomachs were full. She watched her 26-year-old daughter die, starved to death. Her husband was imprisoned and executed because he was a Christian. Her mother hadn't told her she was a Christian because she couldn't tell anyone because she would be executed. And she only discovered her mother was a Christian because she heard her mother mumbling prayers and said, what are you doing? And eventually her mother told her and said, don't tell anyone because it's so dangerous. And then she was imprisoned. Uh, well, she escaped actually, but then she was caught in South Korea and imprisoned for five years in one of the worst prisons. So there were sleeping 200 women to a room that held less, meant to hold less than 50 with such unbelievable biting insects. All the walls were stained with blood. In the winter, it was minus 30 degrees and they had nothing, no blanket, no sheet, no nothing. Minus 30 degrees. And do you know what she did? She praised God and blessed him because she knew him and because she had eternal life. Whoa. And they used to have to pray very silently in the toilets because once when she very quietly sang Amazing Grace, somebody overheard her and she got tortured. And what does she say? I praise God. Nothing in her heart but praise and love for Jesus. Now she was, I've been reading about Koreans for about four or five years. I'm fascinated by it all. I've been interested at all. I thought I cared. But do I? Do I really care about the tens of... There are over 70,000 people while we're speaking going through that this minute. Sometimes I don't think I care at all because my actions, my prayers are frankly embarrassingly pathetic. They're small. I kind of go, oh God, you know, the Koreans, yeah. Would you help them? Yeah. I've pictured them for a second. Oh, Netflix is on. Or I'm off to the next thing, because I'm bored already. So I feel like my prayer muscles need to start practically from scratch now. You can't suddenly start praying four hours a day, which is probably what we should be doing. <laughs> but I can't do it. Not even with the power of the Holy Spirit. Nobody's ever done it before. You can't go and run a marathon until you've done a little bit of jogging and then a little bit of longer jogging and a little bit of longer jogging and stretch the exercises of your muscles and so on. And with prayer, it's even tougher. So there are things that I'm going to get back to that I used to do. So do you know what? The New Testament was written by persecuted Christians for persecuted Christians who were going through this sort of awfulness. And I kind of think maybe we're not being persecuted because we're actually not worth persecuting because we're not really doing enough. And I'm not suggesting we should strive. It should be by the power of the Holy Spirit because it's all the striving we could do in the world is a waste of our time. 
because if we're not filled with the Spirit, if God's not doing it, nothing. If God's not in it, nothing has happened. So maybe this is an area for some of you, instead of the idol of, it's good to be fit, but have we worshipped at the idol of being fit instead of other kinds of things? So to serve the body of Christ, maybe prayer is something that is nudging you now. It's certainly for me. You can grow your gifts of prayer and intercession to build the body of Christ, i.e. build us. Could it be that? I'm going to get back to some small ways I used to practice. They don't even take time, but they're under God and they're intentional. So as I wake to offer myself and offer my day to God, and I don't know how many of you remember Mike's thing, which is um, God is good, Jesus loves me, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Remember the last one, fill me with your Holy Spirit. No, fill me, no, really, fill me, because I can't do this. That the sort of offering yourself, you want God, but offer yourself, otherwise it's all, oh, me, me, me again. And then... Ask him, I must ask him, do you want me to talk to someone? Is there someone that I should be helping today in some way? And it can be just in passing. It's not always time. It's just attention, isn't it? Being attentive. The phone rings. Let that be a trigger to me. You be in the conversation. Um, I'm going to go back. I don't know why I ever dropped this. I, had a, I have a list. I have a list that I don't use of people that I spent quite a lot of time thinking on a Monday I'll pray for, on a Tuesday I'll pray for. And even if I haven't got much time, you can glance at the list and just, okay, God, you've got them. It's got to be better. It's got to be a start. Walk along. As I walk along, Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, then you're carrying consciously the presence of God towards others. And get filled, get filled, get filled. So then it talks about the gifts. To serve the body of Christ, he has given out good gifts to the whole body. We are all meant to be involved. No part of the body is meant to sit idle. Well, okay, the appendix, but we won't count that. So in this passage, what happens here is most of the obvious upfront gifts are listed. The apostles, the evangelists, the prophets, the pastors, and so on. But they're not gifted for themselves, for their ego, for me. They're gifted for God's people. And why? To prepare God's people for works of service. So actually the gift is for somebody else. You might call it your gift, but it's a gift to gift to others. It's a gift that you're supposed to give away. So if Nicola Moy can gift healing and she uses, God uses her to heal someone, the gift is not for Nicola Moy. It's for the person that she prayed for to be well. The gift of healing was actually for that person. Nicola, you are the ass. You are the donkey that carries the gift. That's it. So no need to puff yourself up speaking to myself so and the other thing is like there are you know if you if if like me confession um and hopefully you'll be done with that would be nice um 
you sometimes think I am more important because I do have that as that is a very tendency for me. If you are like that, how horrific if you think the eyes are important, if you just had a big eye, that would be gross. And if you do think you are like, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, then what you're doing is cheating the body of the gifts you've got. So there are spirit gifts. We think there are. No, we think there are. the spiritual gifts. And then, well, I'm quite good administration. I make cakes. Uh, you know, and we think they're not spiritual. But let's, you know, every gift that everyone has in the whole world, even if they haven't understood about God yet, they all came from God. They're all spiritual gifts. Every gift. Every gift. The gift, actually one of the most important gifts, which I didn't say this morning, but it talks about at the end, we are held together by every supporting ligament. There is a gift, and I think house group leaders have this, of holding things together, holding groups together, holding the body of Christ together to help us grow. So if you think, oh, I'm not worthy, I don't have a gift, you're cheating the body. You have got gifts, and if you're not sure what they are, you go ask God to show you what they are how you can serve the body with what gifts he shows you he's got. And ask for more. Let's go for it. For other people, it's not greedy. You're asking for them to give away. So for you, if you are like that, go ask God. Show me what it is that you've given me and that you're going to give me that I can use to grow the body. And if you are thinking you're not significant, which is a lie, then you need to get prayer for it. First of all, ask God to show you how very precious and important you are to him. And maybe get prayer to release you into the knowledge of his great, great love for you. And actually, when I was at New Wine, I did... Um, I, there was one woman who felt very much like that and I actually gave her medicine so if you are one of these people this is like spiritual medicine I give it to you as a free gift um, that every morning even if it's hard you look in the mirror and you say I'm a precious daughter of God I'm a precious son of God I am valuable the thing is we've got to drop this comparison thing so God doesn't actually want you to be more Richard Moy or more Nicola Moy or whoever. God wants you to be more you because he chose you, he puts you where you are, and he wants you to be more Sally or more Richard or more, I don't know, whatever, some name or other. Whatever your name is, he wants you to be more of that in the place you're put because you're the only person that can do whatever it is he's given you to do. And being united is jolly hard, but the church has a job to do. And the reason we have to be united is because when they see how much we love each other, they will see what we've got and want it, and they'll see the love of Jesus. And after a week at New Wine, one person who came with his little family to New Wine for the first time this year, he 
felt he'd experienced the joy of being with, I think, over 6,000 Christians all together for a week. Despite the rain, despite the heat, despite the inconveniences of camping, this is what he wrote. A wonderful first new wine for us all. Thanks to everyone who gave us a little glimpse of heaven on earth. That's our job. A little glimpse of heaven on earth to people. And it can't be done if we don't come back to the head it's only through God's grace and love we can do it. The love of Christ we are meant to be sharing is sacrificial. It's forgiving. It's humble. It's that servant heart. It's that foot washing. If someone has offended you, let it go. God humbled himself. He counted himself less than nothing. He died naked on a cross for you, his body, because he loves us so much. And I wonder if there's anyone sitting here this morning who has recognized something of the body of Christ in this very imperfect body that we are. Someone who's feeling excluded, who feels more on the outside. You, you might or might not know much about God. You, you might have this God that's up here. You might know a lot about God, but somehow you're on the outside. Or you might know very little about him, but you don't know yet, personally, the beautiful relationship you can have with Jesus, that you would love a glimpse of heaven on earth. I mean, do you want to be found? Do you, do you want to come from the outside and be on the inside? Do you want to belong, truly belong to him and to this funny old body of Christ that is rather wonderful. Under the head, who is Christ? Who died for you so that you might not perish but have everlasting life? And if you can feel the pull of Christ because he's been calling you since before you ever were aware you needed him, if that's you, there is a place for you in the body of Christ and you would be welcomed by Christ and you'll be welcomed by the body and if that is you, please go and talk to Dennis later. Um, if you think it might be that you would might think about it, there are courses, there are books, there are people. Just keep talking, keep coming back, keep finding out more about God. One body united under Christ the head. So I'm going to read the last little piece of this passage we read as a prayer for us all. I pray now that all of us in this room will in all things grow up and mature into him who is the head, that is Christ. From Christ, the whole body, joined together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Help us grow servant hearts for you and each other. In Jesus' name, amen.